Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. Happy to be back here this week after a little bit of a hiatus. And with me here is Drew Silva. Hey, Drew, what's up? Hey, man, congratulations on being a father, and uh, we're yeah. we're glad to have you back. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, baby and mom are are doing well. Uh, we're not sleeping much right now. Uh, I I gotta say, if you have the luxury of sleep in your life right now. I'm talking like good, inter- uninter- uninterrupted sleep. Just cherish it. Appreciate it for all it's worth. It's a wonderful thing. Um, I haven't really been watching baseball as closely over the past couple of weeks, but I've had a lot of late nights with the baby, and I've been watching highlight shows, uh, especially Quick Pitch on MLB Network. I think I've watched like the same episode like three times in one night. Uh, so I've been trying to keep up with things. Um, I'm not completely out of the loop, uh, still sort of paying attention, but it's going to take me a little while to get back into the swing of things. Well, with baseball, if, if you like are kind of out of it for two weeks, you miss, you know, what close to a hundred games. So it's not like football where, you know, there's, you miss a couple weeks and it's not a big deal. Like there's a lot of stuff happens all of a sudden. Some players are really valuable and some players are slumping and you it's easy to lose track of that if you're not doing it on an everyday basis yeah for some reason i've still been watching the mets pretty often i don't know why i'm torturing myself with that um <laughs> but I'm, i might i might give that up we'll see we'll yeah, see what happens. Yeah. i've pretty much given up the cardinals yeah rough times for those teams but before we get into some headlines for the week, first a reminder to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Audio Boom, and elsewhere. And if you listen on, on Apple Podcasts, remember to rate and review the show. It would be a great help to expand the presence of the show. So anything you could do would be greatly appreciated. All right, so we're going to start out here with the big news from Thursday afternoon, and that's the Cubs sending Kyle Schwarber down to AAA Iowa. I think we speculated about this possibility a couple of weeks back. Obviously, huge expectations for Schwarber coming into the year. Joe Madden even went the unconventional route by batting him leadoff to begin the season. But here he is hitting just 171 with a 295 on base percentage through 64 games. The power's been there, 12 homers, but he's done very little else. His batting average is the lowest uh, among qualified hitters, one for 14 over the past week. This feels like the right move to me, but maybe even a bit overdue. Yeah, I mean, like you said, that the 12 home runs in 64 games, you know, respectable power, but the lack of consistency has been troubling. He's struck out 75 times and only has 16 singles, which I think those singles speak to the issues that the Cubs are seeing in his current 
plate approach. He's basically like a two outcomes type of hitter. Hmm. Um, he also has a 153 batting average with runners in scoring position, and that's generally a silly stat because it's always a small sample and not predictive of anything. But I think it's notable in this case, given the overall struggles the Cubs are having as a team as far as driving runners in. Um, Schwarber's also been a negative defensively in left field, which was to be expected. But, yeah. you know, that has kind of changed the entire landscape for a Cubs team that had by far the best defense in Major League Baseball last season mm. while Schwarber was sidelined by that knee injury. And in the National League, with his limited defensive capabilities and no DH, he's going to have to hit at a high level to, to provide the kind of on-field value the Cubs want or need. Um, I do think he probably will hit like that eventually, maybe after spending a week or two hitting bombs in the Pacific Coast League. Um, for fantasy purposes, you obviously hold on to him, in my opinion at least, and, and you hope he does just that. Goes to Iowa, rakes, and comes back up as a recharged slugger. This isn't the first top-flight prospect to experience early career struggles, and he's not going to be the last. Not everybody is going to find immediate stardom like Mike Trout, or Cody Bellinger. While you were on paternity leave, DJ, uh, Cody Bellinger became the greatest hitter of all time, <laughs> by the way. I've seen a little bit of this this week uh, against the Mets. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's been ridiculous, insane. Yeah. Um, I, but th- I think he's he's going to have like a legitimate MVP candidacy, even though he, he debuted on April 25th. That's right. I mean, just with young hitters in general, I mean, progress is not a straight line. Schwarber came out, came to the majors and was awesome from the jump. Not quite in the same way uh, as Bellinger, but sort of similar. Um, and you look at guys like Michael Conforto, enjoyed initial success, then struggled last year, got sent down to the minors really a couple of times. Um, and now this season, he's, you know, had, has been one of the better hitters in the National League, at least until the past couple of weeks. Aaron Judge really struggled out of the gate last year upon his call up, and now he's one of the best hitters in the majors, basically a triple crown candidate. Um, Then the pitching side, Jose Barrios is another recent example. Last year Mm -hmm. he was terrible. uh, And this year has really turned a corner so far. So, you know, we don't want to make any judgments about Kyle Schwarber. I think, I think you're right. I think this is a situation where send him down for a couple of weeks. He mashes in triple a gets his confidence going again, comes back up and just starts mashing major league pitching as well. I'm still pretty confident in his long-term potential and from a fantasy perspective, still qualifies a catcher, and that's huge. Um, so I wouldn't go up dropping him. I, I expect him to be back, you know, within a couple of weeks, maybe maybe right after the All Star break, something like that. The Cubs also placed Jason Hayward on the disabled, disabled list Thursday due to a laceration on his right hand. So the stage is really set for Ian Happ to play a much yeah. more prominent role in the coming days. Happ is hitting just 221 so far, but he has 10 homers in 34 games has slugged five homers in his last eight games. He's eligible between second base and the outfield, so he's a really interesting pickup in mixed leagues if he's still available. The opportunities will be there. Absolutely. I, I think I'm happy just passes the eye test for me, but you know, then again, Schwarber did too. Um, I, I wonder if the Cubs will regret not trading him this past offseason. Mm. Not that he's, you know, I, I think he's a way better player than you've seen this year, but the inability to play defense i mean i I don't know where you stick them especially if you have a guy like anthony rizzo at first base they could have gotten a lot some a lot for him this offseason you know maybe a a top flight starter or something they have other 
outfield prospects. You mentioned Ian Happ, who can also play the infield, but Eloy Jimenez is going to be coming up eventually, not this year, but you know, in 2018 probably. Um, yeah, I, I think they maybe should have capitalized on, on the juice that Schwarber had after the World Series. But then again, part most of my brain thinks he's going to be just fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he is a masher, and I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, I think he'll be fine too, but I think he's always looked like a better fit for the American League. Right. Um, so I, I think it's definitely a fair criticism that they could have dealed him for a starting pitcher to the AL. I remember all the rumors we heard Maybe it was even two off seasons ago uh, with the Indians, like a Carlos Carrasco, Danny Salazar type of trade. I think that would have been interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I th- I think you know there's reason to keep the faith for the long term. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't get too down on him and on him just because of this first half. Um, moving on to a developing situation in Atlanta. Of course, the Braves acquired Matt Adams from the Cardinals when Freddie Freeman went down with a fractured left wrist last month and. Adams has been a monster so far. He's hitting 294 with 11 homers and a 993 OPS in just 30 games with Atlanta. The problem is that Adams and Freeman both are first basemen, and and you watched Adams play the outfield in St. Louis. That's not a thing you want to see again. Um, So that puts the Braves in quite a conundrum, but it sounds like Freddie Freeman has volunteered to do some work at third base and that he sounds pretty serious about making it happen. Um, third base, not completely foreign to him. He played a handful of games there after the Braves drafted him back in 2007, but we're talking about a decade ago here. Um, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, the timetable on Freeman appears to be moving up a bit. Uh, it sounds like he could be ready around the all-star break at this point. So really maybe a couple of weeks away. Um, I'm so definitely an interesting move, especially with, I mean, Freeman is the face of the franchise or the Braves. That seems a little rash to, to potentially move him to third base, but he seems into it. Yeah, when Braves manager Brian Snitker suggested the idea on Tuesday, I, I kind of just thought it was, you know, lip service or some kind of run-of-the-mill manager speak. But Freeman was spotted taking grounders at third base on Wednesday at SunTrust Park and then told reporters after the workout that he is indeed planning to move positions. Like you said, that, that, that clears space for Matt Adams to continue getting regular playing time um, he's a left-handed slugger and we've seen that some trust park plays fa- favorably to left-handed sluggers um then again maybe matt adams is a is a trade ship before the july 31st trade deadline and you know freeman's expected to back right after the all-star break probably he says right before the all-star break but I, i'm pretty sure it's going to be right after mm-hmm. um so maybe this this point will won't really matter adams does have one year left of contract control after this year. And, you know, if the Braves think, well, this is a guy that's going to continue to hit this well for us, then then maybe they hang on to him. But maybe also they capitalize on the trade value because they already have their co- cornerstone first baseman. Um, yeah, hard, hard to say how it's going to play out. Um, it would be nice for Freeman to pick up third base eligibility, certainly for fantasy purposes. Yeah, you mentioned he played he, he he played a few games there in the Gulf Coast League right after he was drafted. He also played third base throughout his high school career. Hmm. Um, I could see him being pretty good there, but um, I think this story will change probably by the time Freeman comes back. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, I think maybe some of it's just the Braves trying to generate some excitement and want to make it seem to their fans that they're really trying um, <laughs> in the new ballpark. But I mean, they're not winning anything this year. They're not a contender. Um, Adams is swinging a hot bat right now and could have a lot of trade value. To me, the Yankees seem like a perfect fit for Matt Adams. They, they could use that lefty slugger. We know how well they do in Yankee Stadium. Uh, Greg Bird's had a setback. Uh Chris Carter not really getting it done at first base there. So they have an obvious fit. Um, So I think that could really make sense as a possible scenario. As you mentioned, under team control for one more year. I think this will sort itself out over the next month, but definitely something interesting to follow there, especially, you know, if Freeman really starts playing actual maybe rehab games at third base in the next week or two. So something to track. And as you mentioned, if he gets that third base eligibility, that would be super interesting as well uh, from a fantasy perspective. Um, we should probably dig into some closer situations around the league if you want to get us started there. Yeah, Andrew Miller uh, earned his first save of the season this past Sunday, and Indians manager Terry Francona told reporters on Monday that he planned to continue using Miller in the ninth inning for the time being, in quotes, to stunt his workload a bit. Uh, Miller had been operating in that same multi-inning setup role for the Tribe that um, that he worked in last year with Cody Allen pretty much handling every save opportunity but their roles have kind of switched again for the time being Um, and actually Allen was placed on the paternity leave list Thursday afternoon so Miller is going to remain the Indians ninth inning man through the weekend and then maybe even into next week Miller had a a rough couple appearances in mid-June against the Dodgers he took back-to-back losses and yielded five earned runs over two outings and I think it was that series that gave Francona this idea that Maybe Miller needs a rest. So you put him in the ninth and just tell him he has to work one inning instead of worrying about working anywhere in between the sixth and eighth. Um, Miller has been otherwise excellent this season besides those two rough outings. Um, and even you know before and since those two outings, he's got a 1.43 ERA overall with a 54-8 K-to-walk ratio in 37 innings. Um, but Allen has also been great. Uh, 2.00 ERA and 37 strikeouts in 27 innings. I do think Allen eventually takes back over that ninth inning role. I would still call it his. Um, They should both be rostered and active in all fantasy leagues anyway. That's kind of an obvious thing. And I think if you're an Allen owner, you just have to be a little patient. And if you're a Miller owner, you're kind of excited to finally get a few saves out of them. If you own both, you know, you're pretty happy too. Yeah, I mean, the goal is just to have Miller at full strength for the postseason. Uh, To me, it certainly looks like the Indians will, will be there. Um, We saw the way Terry Francona used Miller during the postseason last year, really leaned on him heavily. So the idea is to have him ready and fresh and uh, available during the postseason. So, you know, a smart move uh, to curtail his workload a little bit. I like the move. Uh, As you said, wouldn't drop Allen, you know, in any league. Uh, Both should be owned. So not really a long-term concern for me. And then the Angels bullpen is is another one we should highlight. Um, Bud Norris has been... terrific fill-in closer for the Angels this season, but he landed on the disabled list this past week with a right knee injury that has lingered since late May. It's being called inflammation, and the Angels don't expect Norris to be out long, but this does open a path for Cambodrosian to reclaim ninth-inning duties, I think. Uh, he, he, didn't, he wasn't used in any safe situations yet since coming off the DL, but I don't think there have been any. Um, but Drosian opened the 2017 regular season as the Angels' closer and then hit the disabled list April 22nd with a severe groin strain. 
wound up missing nearly two months, which allowed Norris to steal the job. Um, Bedrosian has made two scoreless appearances since coming off the DL. One was in the eighth inning, and I think the other one was in the seventh inning, striking out three of the six batters he faced. Um, he's yet to allow a run in eight and two-thirds innings of work this season with 12 strikeouts and zero walks. Also dating back to the beginning of the 2016 campaign, Bedrosian has a 0.92 ERA and 61 strikeouts over his last 48 major league innings. Um, it's hard to say exactly what's going to happen with the situation, but my money is on Bedrosian to finish as the Angels' saves leader. Uh, because of those numbers, and partly because Norris looks like a decent trade chip for Anaheim, mm. and there aren't many good trade chips on that roster, and it's a roster that Bally needs to be rebuilt. Um, Houston Street was activated off the DL on Thursday after missing the first 11 weeks of the season with Latin shoulder injuries, but I don't really think he's a threat to Bedrosian or Norris because of how terrible he was in 2016 yeah. and the old injury-prone factor. Uh, but you know, then again, who knows with Mike Sosha, like he, he'll get his guys, and and he's a pretty loyal um, player manager type dude. But I don't know, Bedrosian is the guy to own for me. Obviously, you don't want to drop Norris because this doesn't look like a serious issue. But um, yeah, I guess I, I would own both of those guys, and I would probably just leave Street alone. Yeah, too bad for Norris because he's been a, a really nice surprise. Yeah. Um, you know, really has turned his career around basically. Uh, two, four, three ERA, 42 strikeouts, 13 walks and 33 and a third innings this year. He's really been fantastic, but, uh, I think you're right. He could be a, a useful trade chip if he comes back healthy. So Bajorjian looks like the guy street. You just can't trust him. You can't trust him to be effective. You can't trust him to stay healthy. So even though he's come off the DL, you know, stash in a really deep league, if you, you know, if you really want to speculate, but in a mixed league, I probably wouldn't really touch him. Um, I wanted to touch on the Rangers here, actually. Matt Bush uh, started out really hot, really hot after replacing Sam Dyson as the closer there, but he's hit a bit of a speed bump recently. Still has a shiny 2.88 ERA on the season, but he's allowed seven runs, six earned on 11 hits, including three homers and five walks in just uh, in his last six and a third innings. Uh, that's over his last seven appearances. Uh, this includes a blown save against the Blue Jays on Monday doesn't appear as though a change is in, imminent here but never hurts to speculate or to see, secure a handcuff if you're feeling nervous uh jose leclerc uh 23 year old right-hander he's been really good when healthy this year 237 era and 18 appearances uh 34 strikeouts and 19 innings uh though it's come with 11 walks so control a bit of a concern there uh keona Kella is another one. Of course, he was sent down to AAA to begin the year as a, as a punishment for his attitude issues, but uh, he returned in mid-April, and he's been really good since then. 2.93 ERA in 27 appearances, 37 strikeouts in 27 and two-thirds innings. I think we've talked about him as a future closer for a while, uh, so he's someone to keep an eye on uh, and someone to maybe stash away if you really need some saves. Uh, and finally, uh, keep an eye on the situation in Baltimore. Zach Britton getting closer to returning from his forearm strain uh, through a scoreless inning in his first rehab appearance with low A Aberdeen on Monday. Uh, the Orioles moved him to the 60-day disabled list this week, which rules him out until July 4th. Um, still, that's not that far off. Sounds like they just want to play things safe here, and everything's moving in the right direction as far as his recovery. Uh, Brad Brock has been filling in at closer for the Orioles, and he's done a really nice job for the most part. Hasn't allowed a run since May 16th. 
Um, I think Brock will be worth keeping around, though, uh, even after Britain comes back from the DL. I think the forearm situation still makes me nervous enough that at least for, you know, the first couple of weeks, you want to see how Britain looks. Uh, Brock is a guy who should be owned in all formats, even after he comes back from the DL. Yeah, I agree with that. I I, I think there's a chance that Brock even just holds on to the job. But, you know, uh, Buck Showalter hasn't really showed his cards on what they're going to do yet. Yeah, I mean, they could ease Britain back into things. And that's definitely a possibility. Um, and who knows? I mean, if the Orioles really fall out of the race and Britain really looks good coming back from the DL, would they consider maybe shopping Britain? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, his value is probably down sharply right now, so they maybe would wait that situation out. Um, but- he has one more year of control, I believe, Britain. Yeah, I think, I, that's, I, yeah. I think you're right. But yeah, yeah they're, they're getting to a point where... You know, maybe he's going to be too expensive, but uh, again, the forearm situation just makes me nervous. So he's he's quite a bit of a gamble right now. If you were to trade for him, um, we should probably jump into some young starting pitchers on the fantasy radar. There's been a number of them in recent weeks. I've actually missed a few of them while I've been away, but uh, we're going to start with two call ups to watch. Uh, the first is Andrew Moore with the Mariners. Uh, he's set to replace Giovanni Gallardo in Seattle's rotation. He'll make his major league debut Thursday night against the Tigers. We're recording this show Thursday, uh, late Thursday afternoon. Uh, Moore, 23-year-old right-hander, was the Mariners' second-round pick back in 2015. Uh, has a 2.59 ERA in the minors. Uh, posted a 2.72 ERA in 13 starts and one relief appearance this year between Double A and Triple A. Uh, close to a strikeout per inning with excellent control. Doesn't really have dominant stuff though. Uh, fastball sits in the high 80s, low 90s. Uh, from what I've read, it sounds like a back-end starter. You know, four or five type would be a really good outcome here. So I wouldn't necessarily go crazy in mixed leagues, but uh, definitely someone to watch. Uh, the other recent call-up, Luis Castillo with the Reds. No, that not that Luis Castillo. Um, yeah, that brings back bad memories of me. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, this Castillo was acquired from the, from the Marlins as part of that Dan Straley trade over the winter, and he's a legit prospect. 24 years old, hard thrower, had a 2.58 ERA with 81 strikeouts and 13 walks and 80 and a third innings in Double A this year. Uh, I think he's more interesting than more from a fantasy perspective, but obviously Cincinnati, very tough place to pitch. Castillo set to make his major league debut Friday against the Nationals, and I don't need to tell you, you should stay away from that matchup for now. So mm-hmm. uh, I think he's a wait-and-see guy in mixed leagues, but I'm definitely interested. I'm intrigued, so I'm going to be watching that start for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by Castillo too. I mean, 81-13 K-to-walk ratio in 80 innings this, this year at AAA. He's improved his command year over year since signing as a teenager out of the Dominican. Um, that, that's He's a legitimate pitching prospect. Like you said, it's going to be a matchups to matchups thing in mm-hmm. fantasy leagues. You're probably not going to want to start him at Great American Ballpark. Definitely not start him against good offenses, but um, we'll see how long he lasts. With Moore, with Andrew Moore, um, he's been steady at every level, um, and he, he gets to make starts in a power-sapping home park. I think there's some streaming value there, too. Just Just two guys to keep on the radar. Um, I, I want to mention a couple of, of guys who have kind of emerged since since you were gone, DJ. Um, Jacob Faria is the first one. Hmm. Um, he's been excellent since joining the Rays rotation on June 8th, allowing just one run in each of his first three major league starts. He worked seven innings of one-run ball in his last outing against 
a dangerous Tigers lineup, striking out nine batters and issuing only one walk. 23-year-old right-hander is 3-0 through his first three major league starts with a 1.37 ERA and 22-4 K-to-walk ratio in 19 two-thirds innings. Um, the knock on him when he was called up was that he lacked good command, but we really haven't seen any of that. Um, what, what we've seen is his ability to miss bats with a well-developed four-pitch arsenal, um, mid-90s fastball, a good curve, a slider, and a changeup. He had 84 strikeouts through 58 innings this season at AAA Durham. Um, I think we'll see some bumps in the road for him eventually, but the minor league numbers and the early returns at the major league level make him close to a must-own right now for me in, in like a 12-team, 14-team style format. Um, Sean Newcomb is another young starter um, th- that should you know, probably wasn't on the radar in many fantasy leagues leading into the 2017 season, but has also made a case for must-own status for his, through his first three major league starts with the Braves. Uh, big left-hander, 6'5", was acquired from the Angels as part of the Andrelton Simmons trade back in November 2015, pushed his way to the major league level this month after posting a 2.97 ERA with 74 strikeouts in 57 innings at AAA Gwinnett. He's faced some weak offenses since his call-up, like the Giants and your Mets. Hmm. Um, but you have to like the 1.96 ERA through 18 and a third innings covering three starts, and it helps his cause that the Braves don't have many good options to replace him should he have a, a string of rougher outings. Uh, Bartolo Colon was supposed to come back this week but had another setback, and he was terrible anyway. Um, control is a big issue with Newcomb. He's already walked seven batters against 13 strikeouts against at the major league level, and his career walks per nine in the minors was 4.8. But the raw stuff is impressive, and um, at least a at least a streaming guy in the right matchups for me. Yeah, um, I, I actually saw the start against the Mets. Um, his curveball is nasty. It's a nasty yeah. pitch. So I mean, he looks the part. But uh, yeah, the control in the minors. You know, makes me a little bit skeptical with him. Uh, I've I've yet to see Faria pitch. Um, he's lined up to go against the Orioles on Saturday. I think that's against Dylan Bundy. So uh, I'm definitely going to try to watch that start if I can. Uh, but yeah, I mean the numbers have been really impressive so far. Um, how about we talk about some familiar faces coming back from injury? We have a pair of them returning this weekend. Uh, the first with the Reds. Yeah, uh, Reds manager Brian Price announced Wednesday that. Homer Bailey will come off the disabled list and make his 2017 regular season debut this Saturday at Nationals Park. I don't really need to rehash all the things that have gone wrong for Bailey. Uh, He signed a six-year, $105 million extension with the Reds in February 2014 and has logged just 108 innings at the major league level since then with mediocre numbers. Um, And in hindsight, the Reds probably should have let him walk as a free agent and kick-started a rebuilding process two or three years ago, but um, we all know that by now. Um, why we're talking about him on this podcast is because he went 3-0 and with a 1.08 ERA and 17-3 to K-to-walk ratio in three minor league starts covering 16 and two-thirds innings. Um, just really promising numbers. He the velocity each... looked good, too, from what yeah, I Yeah, the velocity was good. He pitched at each one of the Reds' full-season minor league affiliates from high A Daytona to triple A Louisville. Those rehab numbers aren't going to tease me into believing that he's the same Homer Bailey from 2012 or 2013, but 
I do think he could be a viable fantasy streamer in the right matchups and maybe a guy you want to roster in deeper leagues. Obviously, the Nationals present a big challenge right out of the gate, and Cincinnati is not a good place for pitchers. But, you know, a, a fairly proven guy who seems to finally be healthy after battling all sorts of arm troubles. Um, yeah, s- someone someone to think about who's actually, you know, coming back into the fold. I'm into it. Um, another yeah. another high-profile return, Wilson Ramos, on track to return from knee surgery this weekend. Has caught back-to-back days in the minors. Has caught nine innings in a game. Um, so he's really checked all the boxes at this point in his rehab. I'm sure the Rays are going to be careful with his workload behind the plate, giving him regular rest, mixing him in at DH, that sort of thing. I think that's all been part of the plan from the beginning. Um, but he's a most owned for me in all formats. Maybe if you lost Kyle Schwarber, was sent down to the minors, you can replace him with Wilson Ramos. Ramos available in nearly three quarters of Yahoo leagues. Remember, Ramos had a career year last year before going down with ACL and meniscus tears, hit 307 with 22 homers and an 850 OPS in 131 games. Talent drops off quickly at the catcher position, so really, why not take a chance on him? Yep, I'm, I'm exit, a big exit velocity guy. Um, yeah, Matt mashes the ball, and you would think the the knee injury isn't really going to carry over into what he does offensively. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. He's been catching a lot more than I thought he would on his minor league rehab assignment, hmm. which you know is is only good. It's it's I think it's just a positive that that yeah. he's feeling well enough to do that. I mean, he caught on back to back days over the weekend, which really surprised me. Like I thought he was only going to DH out of the gate, but. I mean, the, the the Rays got to feel pretty good about signing him to what was it a two year twelve point five million dollar deal? Yeah, I mean, imagine um, if he had finished the year healthy last year, he pre- he might have gotten in you know eighty ninety million dollar deal. Who knows? Right. Um, yeah, totally. That's a shame. As a as a what twenty nine year old free agent catcher? Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we go, we wanted to throw out a couple more widely available players in mixed leagues, both pitchers and position players. Uh, who do you have this week? Well, on our last podcast before your daughter's birth so rudely interrupted us, uh, <laughs> we talked a little bit about Tommy Pham emerging as a valuable fantasy outfielder, and he has continued to rake over the last two weeks, um, including his one-for-four game in Thursday afternoon's loss to the Phillies. Pham has an 885 OPS with nine home runs and six stolen bases in 42 games. Um, I think he's only made 34 starts out of those 42 games. But he's taken over as the Cardinals' primary left fielder, and I don't see Randall Grichik unseating him from that spot anytime soon. Um, Grichik probably will return from the minors next week, but in more of a bench bat, fourth outfielder type of role. He can play center some, so but you know, Fam can too. Fam has had all sort of adversity throughout his life and his major league career. Bob Nightingale of USA Today wrote a really good feature on him recently about his dad being in prison his whole life and the vision issue, the vision issues that. Fam has had to sort through as a professional baseball player, trying different things like LASIK and contact lenses. He finally found some lenses that work for him this year that have greatly improved his defense and plate approach. I think you see that in the decreased strikeouts and the way that he plays the outfield. Um, I, I really think he'll continue to rake uh, a very toolsy but also very competent guy. Um, he's moved all around the Cardinals lineup, but he hit second on Thursday with Dexter Fowler needing a day off due to quad tightness. Uh, I, I really like his fantasy outlook for the rest of the season. Um, if he can stay healthy, I, I think he's going to be very productive. My my other one is Brad Pe- Peacock, who uh, 
moved into the it moved into the Astros rotation in late May when Dallas Keuchel landed on the disabled list with his ongoing neck issue. And Peacock has just continued to mow batters down like he did in the multi-inning relief role um, that he opened the season in. Uh, he struck out eight batters over five and two-thirds innings on Monday against the A's, and he struck out ten batters over four and two-thirds innings on June 13th against the Rangers. Overall this season, uh, he has a 2.82 ERA, 1.187 whip, and 66 strikeouts in 44 and two-thirds innings. Keuchel is going to be back eventually, probably around the All-Star break, and Lance McCullers is set to be activated from the disabled list Saturday. And most people expect the Astros to bring in a top-tier starter at the trade deadline. But I think Peacock has made his case to remain a starter, and he looks like a guy you want to be deploying in every matchup right now, given the strikeouts and the high probability for wins on maybe the best team in baseball. Sort of a similar situation, maybe not from a strikeout perspective, but Mike Montgomery with the Cubs, I think he deserves some love. He was someone I was hoping to get a ch- I was hoping he would get a chance of rotation at the start of the year, but Brett Anderson got the nod instead. However, he's received a chance recently with Kyle Hendricks on the disabled list and he's taken advantage so far coming off six scoreless innings against the Padres on Tuesday. Yes, it's the Padres, but uh, still an impressive start. Uh, not putting up dominant strikeout numbers or anything, as I mentioned, but does an excellent job keeping the ball on the ground. Is allowed just two homers and 51 and two-thirds innings so far this season. And that's quite a feat in this current environment. I mean, there's home runs flying out at a record pace so far this season. So someone who can keep the ball in the ballpark, keep the ball on the ground, uh, that's extremely valuable. And especially with the Cubs rotation, as disappointing as it's been this year. Uh, he's been sort of a stabilizing force for them recently, and I think he can keep it going maybe even after Hendricks returns from the disabled list. It seems like Hendricks will be out through the all-star break, so Montgomery will get you know another two or three more turns in the rotation. Uh, but given Brett Anderson's injury history, there's certainly a chance uh, that Montgomery will keep this job the rest of the way. I think he's a worthy pickup in most mixed leagues. Um, the last one for me is Carlos Gomez, uh, another player I put in waiver wired today on Thursday. He's been on fire since returning from the disabled list. Two more home runs on Thursday against the Blue Jays. He's now nine for 23 with five homers and 14 RBI in six games since returning from the disabled list. So just crazy numbers. Amazingly, Gomez still out there in 70% of Yahoo leagues, though. After Thursday's exploits, probably not for long. I don't think he's the player he once was. You look at the strikeout rate, it's right around 30%. So he's he's quite a bit high, quite a bit higher than his peak years with the Brewers, but still brings some interesting pop and speed to the table in a good hitting environment there in Texas, in a pretty good lineup as well. So I really like the situation with him. So Again, out there in 70% of Yahoo leagues, I really don't think that should be the case. I think he should be picked up in most formats. All right, DJ, go spend time with your daughter. It's on here. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> she's been a, she's been really good. I haven't heard her cry yeah. or anything. I'm in my apartment right now, so that's that's going to be a challenge. <laughs> uh, but so far, so good. Um, that'll do it for us this week. Remember, you can always get in touch with the show by emailing rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. Again, that's rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DJ Short. Drew is on Twitter at Drew Silve, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. 
Eats and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 